Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad you joined me today. I'm going to finish up righteousness today. Then the Sunday that, first Sunday after Brother Jesse is here, I'm going to start a series of faith, talking about how to live by faith. God brought me to the city and told me, son, I want you to preach faith to my people. And uh, so I'm going to kind of return to my roots. And uh, if you have any uh, lingering thoughts, if faith works and, you know, if it's applicable today, is it real, then you need to come to those services. And if you don't, it'll straighten you out. Hallelujah. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must, by faith, we must believe that he is that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen? All right, let's turn our Bibles to Deuteronomy, the 7th chapter and verse 1 through 9. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 9. And I'm going to read that in just a moment. But before, well, let's, let's read it. And when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess. Remember, everybody has a journey, everybody has a destiny before their steps are ever taken. And it says, and he hath cast out many nations before thee. The Hittites, the Gergashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Enlawites. Seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant or agreements with them, neither show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughters thou shalt not give unto thy sons, nor his sons unto thou shalt thou take unto thy sons. And for they, for they will turn away thy son from following me, and they will serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. Thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto him above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. For the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were many in number. Thou art in number than any people and for that ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord God brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you out of the house of a bondsman, and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy unto all them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Notice that God made promises to Israel that were not based upon what they had done, their condition with God, their seeking God, their faith in God, or anything else. 
The reason that God brought them out to do them good was because God had established a covenant with their forefathers or of the patriarchs called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now that was under the old covenant. And God says that he's going to do that for them because of the righteousness of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, they were being grandfathered or incorporated in to the relationship that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had cultivated with God. Now, God had a purpose for them. He told them many things in that passage of Scripture, and you can meditate on them. You'll find about 16 or 17 promises that God made to the people of Israel. But what I want to bring out is that God promised them benefits. He offered them benefits that they had nothing involved in purchasing. They had invested nothing. They had been bondsmen. They could not free themselves. They weren't mighty in number. They were few. They were weakened, and they were subservient to a Pharaoh that did not believe in God. In other words, they were at their weakest, yet God remembered a covenant for them, and he gave them the benefits of the righteousness of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to talk to you today about the benefits of righteousness. Now, the word benefit simply means this. It means to receive an advantage or to begin uh, or to begin something to profit you that costs you nothing. That's a benefit. It's a benefit is something that somebody else pays for for you to succeed or be promoted or to move ahead. That's what a benefit is. Now, we know that we, most of us, work for another employee. And in that employee, there are things called benefits. Now, lots of times, they don't come of our paychecks. Uh, lately, they have, but used to that they never come out of your paycheck. They were a part of your salary above and beyond the promised agreed payment for your wages. In other words, if somebody said, I'm going to pay you $15 an hour, then what would happen as you started working there after 30 days or 90 days, 120 days, then what they did was they presented you with benefits. They paid for your insurance. They might have started a 401k. They might have a offered life insurance. These were benefits. Now, these were benefits not paid by the employee usually, but paid by the employer. And so the benefits were readily available to any employee in right relationship with the company. Could I get an amen? You understand what I'm talking about? Okay, so these benefits could be readily accessed anytime you needed them. If you needed a, one of the sick days, like here at the church, we give four sick days. Well, why don't you pray for them? That's what I argued. Then we give them four personal days. What does that mean? Lazy days. Lazy days. Do whatever you want to do. Just personalize yourself into a vacation. You can do that. But see, we've given them benefits, and anytime they want them, 
They can use them. David is the expert. He can take four days and four days and make 30 days of vacation. He has learned the system. And so David has, the, all the employees have benefits. Now, they don't have to pay for them, but anytime they want them, they can make a demand on them and receive them. But if they don't use them, then at the end of the year, they are done away with, and you have to start new. Now, we did that because David didn't do that for 30 days for four years or five years before, and he was gone for a couple months, and we wondered if he had retired. Well, he didn't retire, but he had a right to partake of that. So, at the end of the year, they're wiped away, but new benefits are bestowed upon them. Your benefits at your company does not cost you anything, typically. Now, you might say, oh, mine cost me $10, $20, $50. I, okay, I know, but for the sake of my preaching, let's just be, pretend they don't cost you anything. Now, these benefits are given to you. Now, there are lots of people that don't know what the benefit package is. Any of you ever read your employee handbook? The rest of you are missing out because you don't even know what you have. And it doesn't do you any good to miss three days and say, well, did you take them off on a sick day? I didn't know we had them. Can I get them now? No. So you lost three days of pay. Now, how many of you have read all of your insurance clauses? Many of you are not going to have or be a recipient of your benefit package of your insurance because you don't know what exists. Well, I heard it's 2080. I heard it's 1090. I heard they pay everything. I heard this. I heard that. Read the instructions because in it are the benefits that are being paid for you whether you use them or not. Could it get an amen? Now, see, if you work here at the church, you get, if you're a woman, you get six weeks off for having a baby. David tried to push that. And he said, I'm going through the gender change. And he said, I want six weeks off. Now, if you're a husband, you get a week off totally, and then you get a half a, I don't know, three or four weeks, half a day's off and all this kind of stuff. And if you look too ragged, we give you another week off. Sleep deprivation makes people look ugly. And uh, so we have benefits. These benefits can be partaken of or they can be missed. Now Jesus comes and when Jesus establishes righteousness, he does a reversal. You know, in the Bible it says, these are they that have turned the world upside down. I'd like to say this. These are they that have been empowered to turn the world upside down because everybody doesn't use the benefits that are given to them and not everybody meets the criteria as being a world changer. Now we can, but lots of people don't partake of it. The Bible says that Jesus came in Romans 5.12 that they were those that were ruled by death. They were subservient to death, to the devil. To darkness. The devil had power over them because of man's sin that separated him from God. 
But the Bible says that Jesus, even though all men were sinners, even though they didn't transgress like Adam did, somebody said, well, Eve transgressed. No, Adam transgressed. Eve was deceived. Adam openly rebelled against God. So it wasn't the woman. It was that guy's attitude. And so Adam transgressed, and everybody became sinners. Everybody produces after its own kind. Adam produced sinners, children separated from God. But Jesus comes. He's known as the second Adam. He comes to undo what sin has done through Adam's transgression. The Bible says that though that death did rule over many, Jesus comes and brings an abundance of grace producing righteousness that you and I, somebody say, that's me. Come on, could reign in life. That means you get a reign. That means you don't have to be governed by sin. You don't have to be governed by the curse. You don't have to be governed by lack. You don't have to be governed by sickness and disease, but that you can rule over those things in this life because of righteousness and its benefits. The Bible says that Jesus bore our sins in his body. He took them on himself. That we being dead to sin should live, should live unto the righteousness of God. You and I can live out of the benefits of righteousness. Could again, amen. Absolutely. And so we're going to look at when Jesus causes us to reign, no matter what comes our way. Look, need is a weapon of the enemy. Sickness is a weapon of the enemy. Torment, disunity, broken marriages, confusion. All of these are the weapons of the enemy. But the Bible says that no weapon will form, that's formed will prosper against you, and their righteousness is of me. See, we can live a life above what the enemy has planned for our outcome if we will simply use the benefits, somebody say benefits, of righteousness. Praise God. Now, let's look at Romans 1, 16 and 17. I know that we've quoted this so many times, but let's look at what it says. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation to everyone. Somebody say everyone. That believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. For, there, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now how does your faith work? Your faith works only when you discover your benefits. Faith does not work where there is not a promise revealed. And so God reveals to us the benefits of righteousness. And then all he asks of you is to apply faith. Real simple. Okay, let's go to Psalms 112 
verse 1 down through 5. Now remember, these are benefits. Somebody say benefits. These are not something you have to work for. They're something you have to receive and activate by faith. So read the manual and find out what is yours. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is a man that feareth God. What is a man that feareth God? The man that is in right standing. And so praise ye the Lord. Blessed. Somebody say blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed are you if you simply are in right standing with God. Now that's available to you. All you have to do is just say, I'm blessed. Oh, but you don't understand. See, it takes more words for you to understand your wretched condition as it does to acknowledge your blessed condition. Could we just agree that if God said it, it's true? Could we just agree that everything else is a lie and God is true? Amen. And it says this, blessed, somebody say, I'm blessed. He and delighteth greatly in his commandments. Next verse. His seed, somebody say, my children will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright shall be what? Blessed. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what my kids are into. I don't care what your kids are into. Because there has been a price paid by somebody without a requirement to you that if you want to, no matter where your children are, I don't care what they're going through, I don't care what they're in, I don't care if they've been remodeled by plastic surgery, I don't care what has happened, they are blessed. Do you hear me? God said, blessed, 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 Blessed is the seed. See, we're all the time trying to get our kids to live right, do this, do that, talk right. Oh, don't say that, Johnny. Don't say that. Let Johnny be as a knuckle-headed as he wants to be. He can't get away. He's blessed. And blessing doesn't mean he's going to be lost. Blessing means that God's going to meet him somewhere in the road that he has chosen and he's going to pick him up out of his Jericho, put him on his donkey, take him to a place of refuge until he is raised up and he's going to keep him until the Lord returns. <coughs> Don't worry about Johnny. Quit trying to manipulate Johnny. Yes, lift him up before the Lord, but understand... God has already paid the price to make sure Johnny comes out of wherever Johnny falls into. Hallelujah. The benefits. Hallelujah. They are blessed. Hallelujah. Woo! Wealth. Oh, I don't believe in wealth. I know it, but you work for it every day. And riches. Sometimes we're so hypocritical, we can't hardly help ourselves. I just don't think you should make that much. How, you, how much you make? Five times as much as you do. Okay. No, I don't think you should have that. Well, you got one. Yeah, but that's me. No. Look, God wants wealth and riches. 
That word wealth means enough, enough, and enough substance to sustain you. Now the word rich gets over in the borders of just lots of money. I guess riches mean riches. Shall be in your what? House. House. Now that's already been paid for. All you have to do is just mix faith with it. Just get up every day and thank God. God, I thank you that God you've brought wealth to my life, that God you've brought riches into my household. My seed is blessed. God, I believe the counsel of the Lord will guide the steps of my children. I believe, God, that you will blind them to sin and open their eyes to goodness. That, God, you will rescue them no matter how far down they dig a pit. For David, your servant, said if he made his in hell, you would deliver him. And, God, I believe that you're a God that is not a respected person. And if my child has dug so far that they reach the bottom of life and hell is their outcome, you will live. Lift them up because they are the seed of the righteous. That's who they are. Amen. Hallelujah. Next verse. And it says, Unto the upright there arises a light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. In other words, God tells us what our character is. But the other thing is, is that God provides light. Folks, we are not on our own. The Bible says our many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the displays of true sonship of God. When you don't know what to do, don't just start doing stuff. Wait. Somebody say wait. Wait because the Bible says he would order our steps. Don't do something that God has to constantly repair Wait until you get God's directive on it. Amen. The Bible says that his light will rise. In other words, there are many dark and gray areas in our world and in our life. We may not have an answer and have a word for everything, but if you will wait, God will give you a word for your season. God will show you the steps to take because they're ordered of the Lord. God will show you where to go. It'll be the highway of, high, of holiness. Go not that way, but go this way. God will give you what you need to get through your darkness. Though you are stumbling like a blind man, you will come back as a man with a victory, victorious outcome in your life, just like the man that went and washed his eyes in the pool of Shalom. He was hand working his way out, but God was directing his path, and he came to a place that he put his face in the waters, and he came back with a testimony of God. And no matter how dark it is, God's about to bring you light, bring you hope, and give you a song of redemption. Hallelujah. These are the benefits of the righteous. But we're stumbling around. I hear people saying, all the, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Oh, God has already told you and given you a way what to do. Just start like saying, God, I may be blind, but you've given me light. God will make a way where there is no way. Hallelujah. God will fulfill his word for the righteous. Verse 5, and a good man showeth favor. Linda, 
and he will guide his affairs with discretion. Hallelujah. The benefits of the righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is on our side. Amen. You remember Isaac in, the, in a famine in Genesis 26? Isaac was going to go just what, do what his dad did. God said, Isaac, don't go down there. I'm going to make a way for you. I said, what do you want me to do? I want you to sow in the land. But God, there's no rain. There's nothing happening. How can I sow in this land? It wasn't the first time that God had caused seed to be watered from the bottom up. He did it in the Garden of Eden. Could have get an amen. So God tells Isaac, don't go down there. You don't need the world. What you need is faith. And Isaac takes and he sows his seed in famine. And all of a sudden, his crops begin to grow. The Bible says he reaped that year a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that God leads us into righteousness, paths of righteousness for his namesake. Psalms 23, 3. But the Bible says that God makes a way for us out of all of our tribulation. When you're under pressure, don't dismay. Follow Paul and Silas. Sing a song in the dark hour. Hallelujah. Sing a song in the dark hour. Well, I can't carry a tune. Don't worry. An untuned song will still get the ear of a caring God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so start singing songs, praise God, and allow God to come and be on our behalf. Hallelujah. God will do something on your behalf, and God will help us. Amen? Because no matter how little you have, it's more than the wicked has in comparison. Psalms 128. Let's go to verse 6. Oh, I like this one. Long life. I want to live long enough to wear out every shoe factory and every accusation of the devil and all my in-laws. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. I want to live long enough to see my grandchildren's children. Amen? I'm not here for one generation. I'm here for multiple generations. I told my grandkids, now you teach your children what I've taught you. They said, well, aren't you going to be here to teach them? They're just little lazy rugrats. They don't want to do nothing. They want everybody else to teach them. Now, but the proof of it is, is that you and I are promised to see our grandchildren's children. You say, well, my children aren't going to have any children. Maybe. Maybe God's promise will be greater than their desire not to have them. Maybe they'll wait till they get like 80 and have one. And that means that you have already have a promise to see them and their grandchildren. You might live to be 280 before you see your grandchildren's grandchildren. I wish I would have thought of that. Nick and Randy wouldn't have any kids yet. God gave us a promise. Could have get an amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God is on our side. And God has already paid for this stuff. It's free. It's like, hello, it's free. 
Every time I see something free, I think, oh, man. The other day I went in and I, I bought a magnifying glass. Why? Phyllis couldn't see. <laughs> and I got Bibles that got so small print, there ain't enough light voltage to help me. And I went over there and I bought two magnifying glasses at Walgreens. And of uh, course, Kroger's didn't have any. Now Kroger's, now you ought to buy them so I wouldn't have to go someplace else. Anyway, and I bought two of them. So it said, buy one and get one free. So I went up there and I said, uh, uh, I just let her ring them up. And $23 and something. I said, oh, ma'am, were those uh, two for one? She said, do you have a rewards card? I said, no. She said, then no. I said, uh, okay. I said, uh, it didn't say rewards card. She said, well, you should have read the fine print. I said, I can't read the fine print. That's why I'm buying a magnifying glass. <laughs> so, so, so she said, is your wife a member? I said, that little penny pincher, she probably already is. I put in her number, and lo and behold, cha-ching, two for one. See, you, you got to make a requirement on the benefits or you're always going to be paying double. And let's go to Psalms 511. 511 and 12. But let all those that put their trust, the righteous, in thee rejoice. We ought to rejoice. There is a shout in the house of the righteous. Not a murmuring and a complaint, a shout. A shout, hallelujah. And let them ever shout for joy. Praise God. Ought, if you've got a bunch of kids, you ought to say, hey, let's have a shouting contest. Let's shout whoever God has blessed the most. Let's just shout. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's a shout in their house. Watch this. It's because of joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. God defended, defends people. In Genesis 12, Abraham. Now Abraham is just beginning to walk with God, you know, and he's been serving idols, and idols don't require much except blind faith. Just follow them in faith. Believe they are. And, you know, you know, either put the fruit before the statue or, you know, what, whatever you're going to do. But they don't talk, they don't hear, they don't do anything. So Abraham's out here, first chapter of his relationship with God. And he goes down to Egypt. And Sarah is like 70-some years old. This is before makeup and, and uh, body tucks and all that kind of stuff is faithless. But she looks good. Now, either the king is so blind he can't tell or she looks good. Anyway, the king, Pharaoh, starts thinking, hmm, she looks pretty good. I ought to have her in my concubines. So he offers Abraham goats and cattle and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Abraham said, whew, I should have married two of my sisters. So I could have traded one of them off right here. Anyway, the Bible says, now think of this, God defends us. Even though Abraham is caught in a lukewarmish half lie, she's my sister. She is his sister and not of the same mother. 
And the law had not been established, so it was not wrong. And uh, so God smites Pharaoh, just his house, not the whole nation, just his house with plagues and diseases. And Pharaoh says, like, God, what, what, what's going on? And God says, you know what? I did that because you touched my servant. Now, if you'll go to him and ask him, he'll pray for you and you'll be healed. Now, do you think of that, that God plagued a whole nation. You know, the Bible does say, be careful, touch God not, God's anointed. And you are anointed of the Lord. And people that mess, you, mess with you, they don't just mess with Texas, they mess with God. Amen. You are God's people. Amen. And so we have to realize that no matter where we go, God defends us. You remember Joseph thrown in a pit by his brothers? Everybody needs brothers like Joseph's brothers. They help you get where you're going. Jake, Joseph's brothers throws him in a pit. Then they realize, hey, him just dying is not going to be good. Why don't we just sell him? And so they sell him. They take him to the slave market. And Potiphar sees him. And Potiphar begins to recognize him, and he buys him. Hasn't seen anything in his life except he just has this urge, buy that young man. He buys him, takes him to the house, and as Joseph is being delivered from not only slavery but from servitude, then what happens is Potiphar sees that God is with him and promotes him above all of the servants, and he becomes the ruler of the house. When he gets thrown into prison for a false accusation, guess what? Jacob again rises to the surface, and God brings him out and then makes him the second in command in Egypt. God defended Jacob. He, I mean Joseph. He defended Joseph and protected him and brought him to rulership. See, God will do things for you if you simply live in righteousness and reach out, lay hold, and access the benefits. Somebody say, access them. All right. And when you do, Genesis 18, 23 through 33, you'll have power with God. Listen, God has given us a benefit that when we are righteous with him, guess what? His eyes are upon us. You never have to wonder where God is. He's watching you. Amen. And then the Bible says, his ears are open to our prayers. I hope God heard me. What? What? Who, when, where, what? No. God hears the prayers of the righteous. The prayers of the righteous. The Bible says that if they shall call upon me, Cry out in their despair, in their trouble. I will hear and I will deliver them. Now that is a benefit. You don't have to call up on, out on God, but you can if you want. Are you tired of treading water? Would you like the storm to stop? Would you like the water to stop destroying everything you got? Do you want the rains to stop? Do you want God to make a place where you can get beached and that you can build something solid? Then God will defend you. You don't have to defend yourself. 
Don't have to defend yourself. Hallelujah. Let's go to Matthew 15, 21 through 28. There is a Seraphonician woman. She's coming to Jesus. And she's asking for that which belongs to the righteous. It's just a part of their household substance as being the people of God. That's what these benefits are. These benefits are for you, for your children, and for your grandchildren's children. Hallelujah. Then it says this. Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed by the devil. But, I, but he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, she's crying after us. But he answered and said unto them, I am not sent to the lost sheep, of the house of Israel. Notice that Jesus' earthly ministry had to do with Israel only. And it says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Help me. And he answered and said, It is not meant to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, True, Lord, yea. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. What did Jesus say about Israel? That everything that he was doing and all that she sought were given to Israel as being the offspring of God the benefits of sonship, the benefits of righteousness. And this woman does what? She appropriates them not for herself, but for her what? Daughter, could we not more appropriate them for our children as this woman from Canaanite did? Could we not? Absolutely. If I had an unsaved child, I would say, God, I want to thank you that you are satisfying my daughter with salvation. That the devil has lost his power to blind her and she is seeing the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you that your goodness is drawing her. I thank you, God, that she has no peace God, that she is relentlessly struggling with questions that lead only to the cross. I want to thank you, God, that you're leading people across your path to share the merciful gospel with her. That, God, your word is being sent forth and not returning to you void. That, God, you're watching over your word as it transforms her life frees her and heals her of brokenness and scars and hurts and confusion. And God delivers her from her prison of sin and torment. I thank you, God, that salvation belongs to her because I believe in you. And if I believe in you, God, she, her, 
my other children, my family, God are to be saved. And if you said they would be, I agree with you. Therefore, I proclaim they are saved by the grace of God. I wouldn't just stand idle and let the devil steal them. Now, we know that this, one, this woman's daughter got healed. So we must know that healing is a benefit of the righteous. Now, she didn't just use it for herself. She used it for her children and could have used it for her children's children. Amen. When our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's children get sick, it is not a time to join their pity party. It is a time for you and I knowing that we have a benefit package of God to go before the Lord and put God into remembrance of what he said. Because he told that woman, you go, and as thou hast believed, so it be unto thee. She went. Now Jesus did all of what he did under the benefits of the righteousness of the old covenant. Based on three men's relationship with him, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Jesus comes and he bears our sin that becomes sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God, joint heirs in our inheritance with Christ. We have equal parts, the full pie for everyone. And guess what? Jesus delivered from storms. Why? Because he'll do that for you and I. He makes provision, the coin out of a fish's mouth, multiplying bread and fishes. He is our provider. Could he get an amen? He will deliver us from the storms and he will calm them. He's given us authority over every devil, serpent, scorpion, over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm us because he is our defender. He rescues us when we fall down on the roads of Jericho and we're so broken we can't get out. Up some way a merciful Jesus makes it into the dark caverns where men would not go and where men are helpless to rescue us. And he comes and he picks us up and he lays us on the basis of the foundation of his being declared Lord of Lords, because he lays us on a donkey that heralded his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And we come out riding triumphantly because Christ has purchased us and touched our lives. We know that we can recover from failure of self-skills, self-value, self-attempts, as in Mark the fifth chapter where Jesus said, you're done with yourself, go out and let the net down. He let it down and brought up a great net filled with fishes. Those are the benefits of righteousness. We never accept failure. We never cave in. We never give up. We never roll over. We don't let our children 
being incapacitated by the devil, tricked by the devil. We don't let our children lay in a bed at the bottom of the pit of hell. We don't let our children lay any place that God cannot reach down for his arm is not short, nor is it uh, limited that it cannot reach down and save no matter where they are. Salvation belongs to us. It is our God-purchased right. We are the beneficiaries of a covenant of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Today, no matter what you're looking at, no matter what you're facing, don't carry it by yourself. Take it. And lay it out and say, these are the benefits that were given to me. Absolutely. When I joined the family of God, Amen. I need these benefits. Nobody will say no. Nobody will say, well, they rejected you. They won't do any of that. All you got to do, though, you got to come. Got to come. Just come. The benefits of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every head bowed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. If you're here today, you're not a Christian. You don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you know who he is. Maybe you have a cross on your car hood, your car dash, or hanging from your ear around your neck. You have a picture of it in your house. But you never really realize that Jesus Christ hung on that cross so that you could sit with him beside the Father. Maybe you never realized that Jesus himself shed his blood willingly, not for his sins, but for yours. Maybe you never realized just how much Jesus loved you and was willing to do that you might come into relationship with God the Father, God of the universe, He that created you to fellowship with Him. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're a sinner, you're separated from God, God's desire for you is that you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins at a place called Calvary. And on that day that changed every man's life if they will receive him his blood was shed he died they took him from the cross and buried him in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he was raised from the dead by God's power and faith and he did that so that he could say this to you whosoever calleth upon me shall be saved that's it. So easy, yet so priceless. He says, 
whosoever will call upon me. There's nothing in sin that can satisfy you. There's nothing in sin that can make you happy. You'll just go from thing to thing, putting band-aids on all of the damaged parts of your life until one day your life will end. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just raise it and say, Preacher, would you please pray for me? Come on, wherever you are, if you're here today, you're a sinner, you're a backslider, say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me that I will begin to see what God needs from me. Anybody? All righty, praise God. If Jesus came and shouted, all these pews would be empty. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Tonight at 6.30. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to be praying, not just ministering to people by word of knowledge and prophecy, but we're going to be praying for people tonight. We're going to be laying hands on you. I'm believing God in year 2019 going to be my best year. It can be your best year too. Amen. And so we're going to be here tonight at 6.30. And uh, you go, you be blessed. We'll see you tonight at 6.30. God bless you.